Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And as we left last week's show with the uh, bomb of a report on Monday night uh, of a rumor this week, the Rangers made it official and hired Pierre Laviolette as their newest head coach. Uh, the former Stanley Cup champion head coach comes to New York after pretty much coaching everywhere else in the Metro uh, division. So um, starting his career off with the Islanders, now with the Rangers. And speaking of Islanders, the newest report as of Monday night is that uh, Michael Pekka, the former uh, Buffalo Sabre and New York Islanders captain, will be joining Laviolette's staff. He was actually a development coach under Laviolette with the Caps three seasons ago. Last two years, he's been uh, in Rochester with the um, Buffalo Sabres AHL team as assistant coach. So uh, Michael Pekka is the first coaching um, add to the staff after – uh, the Rangers let go of the entire staff from last year, except for Benoit Allaire. Uh, and then uh, I put this out there. As soon as Lafayette came, I got tipped off by uh, a, a close person in the Caps organization that uh, assistant coach Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy uh, most likely be joining Lafayette as well. And he's been with Lafayette since, I think, the Islander days. Uh, and every stop he's gone, he's defensive-minded coach Pekka. Obviously a, a great two-way player in his day, but uh, a forward and a center, which hopefully will help the Rangers in the face-off circle as well, uh, will most likely coach the offensive side. So um, it's not official yet with McCarthy, but from what, uh, but what I'm hearing is that he will be on the staff and in some capacity. I, I would believe it would be as a defensive coach. That's where he uh, has been on the lobby. That's every other staff. So uh, it looks like it's going to be Kevin McCarthy and Michael Pekka, and most likely a fourth assistant coach will be named as well, who will either be on the bench or uh, an eye in the sky uh, along with Laviolette, you know, for Laviolette. So uh, we'll see who that is. But if you're listening to this now, this is a Tuesday. Uh, Peter Laviolette's press conference is today. I believe it's on MSG uh, at 11.30 a.m. So we'll see what the newest Rangers head coach has to say. Uh, I'm interested to see what kind of questions he feels in the media. Um I'm interested to see what Chris Drury says about uh, the process and how they got to Laviolette. Obviously, seemed like he was the front runner from the very beginning, and then there was a long lull uh, in between waiting for Mike Sullivan possibly to spring loose or the Kyle Dubas. You know, kind of him leaving Toronto gave hope for either um, Sheldon Keefe or Mike Sullivan to be like, oh, they end up staying put in both their places and then obviously the John Hines thing that came out of nowhere with him getting fired and him becoming a candidate all of a sudden and I'm also hearing to watch out for him possibly joining the Rangers organization in some capacity as well even though he's not getting the head coaching position I, I don't know if he'll be an assistant coach or more of a development side I don't know but I've heard that the Rangers were, were interested in possibly bringing him into the fold somehow uh, to keep an eye on that as well but um yeah, so we'll see about Pierre Laviolette. And uh, we've got a week before the NHL draft now. We have a great episode next week to preview the draft. Uh, free agency is coming up. Uh, our guy, Zach Jones, former guest, re-signed with the Rangers on a two-year extension. 
Um, and I wrote an article for Belly of Sports, but I thought he'd get 800K. Just above that, so great for him. And I think that this really opens the door for him to really try to – I know he won the job last year at a training camp, and then he got sent down to Hartford in December. Didn't return. Um, you know, he made the best of it down there in Hartford. Made the all-star team, had a great year in Hartford. And uh, I, I I just don't see with the Rangers' cap situation how they don't give him a shot. I think it's going to be him and Ben Harper next year as that six seven guy. But who knows? Maybe Mikola somehow takes a team-friendly deal and he returns. I don't see that happening. Um, I think the only guy you can see possibly returning, well, two guys, is Yaro Halak, which there are rumors now that he is actually – Already talked to the Rangers about an extension, and if you listened to our interview last week, Kevin Woodley, um, he did see how much Halak liked being in New York and how he's a great fit there. So um, I would not mind seeing Halak back. Hopefully it's on a little bit of a cheaper deal than this year because um, I think that's a position right now for the Rangers where you have a Louis Domingue that's in Hartford on a very low cap hit. Um, Dylan Garand is down there, obviously, as well. So you have two goalies. I think they could play as a backup in the NHL, when, especially when Igor's playing 60 games a year. Um, I just don't think that's a position that you really need to overspend on. And then also, you know, you need help up front in the fourth line. And whatever happens to Barkley Goodrow, apparently he's a name to watch at the draft as well um, for a possible trade. Um, Matthew Robertson apparently is another name to watch as well from what I've heard. Uh, the Rangers might be looking to move him possibly. Uh, for draft capital, um, he's a guy who was a second-round pick a couple years ago that has played well in Hartford at times and has struggled a little bit at times. But uh, I, I think he was a guy that I thought would maybe push for a spot at the NHL level, and he has not done that yet. So I don't know what his value is, um, but you know that, that was a name that I was told to keep an eye on from the Hartford level of a, a possible guy to, that could be moved, especially with – Zach Jones resigning now for two years. Uh, but, yeah, so as we hit it, next week it hits I me. Mean, what a week it's going to be. Angel draft right into free agency. It's going to be a crazy week, and the NHL is back. There will be trades going. Um, we'll have a great draft episode like we do every year. Uh, next week I'm contemplating putting this show out on Monday instead of Tuesday, so there's a little couple – there's another extra day in there to – to make sure you listen before draft day. Uh, that's going to be depending on our guest schedules and such to see when we can get that out. But it, we might have a special Monday episode next week uh, just to make sure we get that out there uh, for everyone to listen to in one more day before the Thursday opening night uh, of round one. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And, and also, this week's guest is awesome. I was really wanted to have him on for the longest time. And uh, we're joined by Anthony Greco this week. And uh, you know, a guy, first, first Queens-born uh, player ever in Rangers history. Uh, loved the local guy. Grew up a Ranger fan. Great stories. Dad was an FDNY fireman. Uh, was there 9-11. Um, just a great story that, you know, him playing for the Rangers. It was so cool to see that. And for me to sit down with him and really just talk about his career and uh, hear some amazing stories from him, it was, it was awesome. It was really a great a great interview, and I'm really happy to share that with everyone. But before I center on the interview, Anthony, I do want to tell you about sponsors over in the clutch.com. Listen, there's no place to go other than in the clutch.com if you need your NFL, NHL, 
NBA, MLB apparel. They're the spot. They have throwback shirts. They have cool current shirt, player shirts, team shirts, uh, city shirts. Anything you need to gear up for your next game, go there. When you do, use promo code BROADWAY to save 10% off on your purchase. So go to intheclutch.com, use our code BROADWAY, and you save 10% of your purchase and get all the gear you need for your next sporting event, your next whatever you need in your life. Make sure you go check them out. They do amazing stuff. Go check out our Ranger gear there. And, uh, yeah, and gear up for next season for the Rangers. It's, it'll be here before you know it. Or if you're going on a Nashville financial draft and you want some Ranger gear to rep, go on in the clutch.com, buy our shirt, use the promo code, save 10% off. That's promo code Broadway at in the clutch.com. All right, we're now joined by a very special guest, former New York Ranger, just wrapped up his seventh full year, eighth, if you count his little playoff experience there with the uh, Bridgeport Islanders. But Anthony Greco, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so you just wrapped up the year over in Forlunda. How cool was the experience over there in Sweden? It was good. It was definitely different. It was very culture shockish. It was uh, a bit of a punch in the face at first, not really expecting not really having too many expectations about what was uh, going to take place, but yeah, they, they do things a bit differently. So my body's uh, still recovering uh, <laughs> right now, but um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I, I obviously had to play with um, Hank Lundquist's brother was our captain and um, he was a great guy and, and a great human being, probably the most straight edge human being I've ever met. And uh but yeah, it was it was definitely different, but uh, I'm fortunate that uh, I got to do it, and um, happy I did end up going over there. So I learned a fun fact about you today. You're the first ever Queens native to play for the Rangers. I knew there was a first ever in there from when you played for the Rangers. I remember that the highly uh, when they, I think Sam Rose and whoever was doing the game said it, but I didn't realize you were the first guy from Queen, you know, born in Queens, ever to actually wear a Rangers jersey. Yeah, that was uh, right when it when I had gotten called up and made the play in the game, it was kind of the thing going around. I, I had no idea going into the game, but yeah, it was the, that was the thing going around, I guess at the time. And I got to ask you that. Oh, we'll get to that game in a minute. Cause I want to get, so you're a Ranger fan, obviously growing up yeah. and not too many guys I've had on this show, you know, over 140 something guests we've had on guy, foreign players were Ranger fans growing up. So I, we got some Ranger talk here, which I love. Yeah, so who, for sure. Who, who was your guy growing up? Who was your favorite player? I really liked, like, we started, I started going to games probably when I was six or seven. Like, it was the Lindros team, Theo Fleury, Pavel Bure, Kovalev when he came back, um, Martin Straka, Peter Nedved, like, all those guys were my, my Peter Pruka, like, guys like that. Were were those guys were my idols, I guess, growing up. But I was a big Beret and Kovla. I like I love the Russian guys always. <laughs> I was always skating with Russian guys in in Long Island growing up, and um, yeah, I was a big Kovalev and Beret fan. So, did you have a player jersey growing up? I had a Kovalev jersey. I yeah, I had a Kovalev jersey growing up, um, and I might have had a Beret jersey at some point, but. Uh, 
Yeah, that's I always say like those are my most like vivid memories were going to those games with and Lundquist was in goal and it was those were my most me and my dad always going to those games where the uh if we got to go once every couple months, that was like the highlight of my uh my month. So So talking about your dad, FDNY fireman was a nine, you know, nine eleven responder. I saw. I also read a story about him that he commuted when you went to Minnesota to play at Shattuck St. Mary. He commuted from Minnesota to New York City to, for his job. Yeah. So my mom lived out. I did. I was boarding at Shattuck my eighth and ninth grade year, and then we ended up getting a house across the street from the school. I think it was a little bit more financially easier to just own a home than it was to board at the school. And my mom moved out and yeah, my dad was staying. He had to get a certain amount of years before he he could retire from the FDMY. So he would come out and he would drive, he loved driving. So he would drive out, do the 22 hours it was, stay for a couple of days. And there's stories of him driving, leaving Minnesota uh, early in the morning, three, four in the morning, driving straight to New York, straight to work in 24 hours and stop for a beer and, and then go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane. I, I yeah. was reading that story today. I was like, I was like, that is crazy. I'm like, I got to ask him if that's true or not. That's because you would drive, you said driving. He's not flying back and forth. He's driving back and forth. No, he was driving everywhere. I think he ended up, the car that he had, he ended up having before it exploded, had 350,000 miles on it, like a, a small TDI Jetta. That's why it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Too many miles. Too many miles. Uh, so from there, you go to the USHL, you get drafted to the USHL. Uh, was that the moment you were kind of like, hey, maybe I can make a deal of this hockey thing? Like, when did that kind of hit you? I think it was like a weird kind of progression because I went to Shattuck. Like, a, I think in when I was growing up playing in New York, I think I had an idea that I was decent and, and pretty good. And we'd have summer teams with guys. Like I, I played a, on a summer team for a couple of years, actually growing up uh, with Johnny Goudreau in, in Boston. Of all. Like they kind of brought kids from Jersey and New York and then some mass psychos and put them all on one team. And it was uh, Jimmy VC was actually Mr. VC was one of the coaches for the junior Bruins that I played on with Jimmy and that was kind of like for that age group uh, it was like the Boston junior Bruins and the Boston Icemen, And it was just littered with kids from Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Jersey, New York. And um, so I had an, a pretty good idea. Then once I got to Shattuck um, I was always kind of like the little brother. Like I was always like the guy that was too small and, I was kind of treated like the little brother to everybody. And I don't think I was ever really, once I got there, I, I don't think I was really taken too seriously as like a hockey player. I was always just kind of like the little guy that was, was good and could skate really fast. And, um, and then, yeah, I, I went there with two of my really closest friends uh, who they ended up going to play major junior after our junior year of Shattuck and I ended up going to the USHL for my senior high school. And um, yeah, it was kind of, I always, I never like lost belief. It was more so trying to get people to take me 
seriously. It was kind of just instead of being the little brother, like start kind of taking me uh, a little bit more serious about, you know, being a good player. And um, yeah, that first year in the USHL was, I wouldn't say like a wake up call. I still, I never really lost confidence or belief. It was more, um, it was kind of, uh, you're, you're finally playing against guys where you can fight. You it's, there's, 20 year olds in, in the USHL it's I was 17 or 16 turned 17 and I don't think I was mature enough or ready for it physically or um maybe mentally either um but uh I think that second year in the USHL is when I kind of realized that I, I was like okay I, I can go to a division one college and and play and I always believed that in high school but I think that's when it started becoming a little bit more real and then, uh, yeah, going to college was a whole nother experience and was just trying every year to like get better and, and getting people to start seeing me more as somebody that could play the game at a high level. And I really don't think though, it was probably not until my second year pro that people actually started to, uh, consider me at, at that level. I think, uh, physically just getting more mature and, and um, but yeah, I, I think from my standpoint, it was early on, but I think from the outside, it was probably my second year professional that it was okay. Maybe it's, it could be a possibility to play in the NHL. And then, so I got to ask, cause you went, you played in Des Moines, Iowa for most of your time in the USHL. And I love asking guys cause USHL is everywhere, but you hear Iowa and you kind of think like, Oh, wolf, like what, uh, a kid who probably grew up going to New York city. I mean, what was that culture shock? Like now you're in the cornfields in Iowa hanging out. It was, it probably wasn't as bad for me because I had left and gone to Minnesota at a young age. And that was shell shocking. That was that the town that the school is in is 20,000 people in, in Faribault, Minnesota. So going to Iowa was kind of like the next, <laughs> the next step after that. But um, I started off in Waterloo and that was, an interesting place uh i've heard <laughs> yeah that was like real small town um not a whole lot going on and des moines was a little bit of a bigger city i guess for yeah. iowa uh, so it wasn't as bad but you're when you're playing and you're in high school you're, you're not really you don't have any perspective on anything you just kind of playing hockey and it's like, okay, I guess we're in Iowa now. I guess this is what we're doing at this time. And um, it was my second year there in, in Des Moines was actually one of the more fun years I've had playing hockey, to be honest. Uh, so you commit to Ohio state. What was that commitment process? Like what are the schools you were looking at? Um, how that decision come about? They were really just the first school that showed a lot of interest. And it, I think it kind of goes back to that. Um not being taken too seriously or, or kind of always being seen as the the little brother to everybody. It was, I was always going to be loyal to like the first school that, or the first team that came about, came around and, and showed interest. And they showed interest from my first year a little bit in, in the USHL, then my second year going into my second year, then throughout that year. And um, I'd visited Northeastern and, they didn't want to give me a, a full scholarship. And 
I talked a little bit to St. Cloud State, but I ended up visiting Ohio State in the middle of the season, I think, and in the middle of that second year, and it was the school's age 60,000 kids. It was going to be, you, you kind of just fit, base everything off of like, is there going to be a lot of girls and if it's going to be uh, a fun place to play, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it turned out to be like one of the best experiences and my best friend, Tanner Fritz, who's with Hartford, uh, he hated me to, at the start <laughs> meeting him there for the first time. He despised me as a human being. And then we ended up becoming best friends later on. But um, yeah, I met some, some of my closest friends today there. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, they were the first ones to show interest and visit and basically signed right then and there after the the visit. Now, obviously Michigan, Ohio state, the rivalry and everything is that in hockey. I know that's a rivalry in hockey, but is that, is that truly the biggest hockey rivalry? I know you guys have a pretty good rivalry in Minnesota too. Yeah. I think because of that CCHA at the start, like it used to be the CCHA and mm-hmm. um, that was the big conference before the big 10 came about. So, and it, it was like a trickle over effect because of the football and that's, they had really, really good teams. Troops was the cat was, I think he was the captain. His freshman year. I don't know if he was the captain or not, but he was only there for one year. He was a freshman when I was a freshman and, everybody knew how he was, he was going to be in and out and that that was it for him, but he was kind of the powerful thing that he is back then. And, um, but yeah, they always had really good teams. I mean, Andrew cop was there, Dylan Larkin, um, Tyler Mott was JT comp. Like they were pretty loaded every year we played them and it was always a big rivalry against them. The games were always like, 10 8 10 7 like just ridiculous scores but um yeah before hockey became like a big thing and at ohio state those are the only games that fans kind of showed up to <laughs> and then uh i think nowadays that it's they get a, a lot more people because of how well they've they've been doing over the past couple of years yeah and i think they just had the michigan ohio state game outdoors right i think they just play that in cleveland but you you play outdoor right you played the outdoor game against minnesota right was that yeah. So you there? Yeah. That was a blast. Yeah. It was kind of came about out of nowhere. I, we didn't find out, I don't think, until going into that season. And we were like, that's pretty cool. It was the coldest day I, I think I've ever experienced. But um, yeah, my whole family got to go and it was it was a pretty uh, unbelievable experience. The Rangers are going to be playing at uh... – at life seat next year they just announced yeah. so they I'll get an ho- outdoor game every year <laughs> <laughs> i'll hopefully get to go to that one i didn't go to the one at city field but i hopefully get to go to that one but i guys have had like a mixed relation i feel like they're like oh it's so cool leading up to it but it's like you get to the game it's like man it is cold out here and it's like kind of sitting there and uh yeah it's, it's more of not it's more of a player experience than it is a fan experience i think it's the the rink is so far away especially in some stadiums and uh, my, it's just a, my parents and family. It was just a drink fest in, in Minnesota. It was just like we got to stay warm somehow, kind of thing. But for us, it's it's a cool thing to see that many people at a game. 
Uh, so from Ohio, so you sign a, an ATO with the Islanders and, and Bridgeport, and you, you make your debut in the playoffs, actually, right? The, the AHL playoffs, which is pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> Talk <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> that was – I after our last game in my senior year, I didn't really expect to go anywhere. So it was spring semester at a Big Ten State College. It was just, yeah, let's have some fun before we get out of here. But they called me – like a month later, I hadn't skated, hadn't worked out, hadn't done anything. And um, Tanner Fritz actually was the one that kind of helped me make it happen. And um, yeah, he kind of just texted me. He's like, you want to come? We're in the middle of playoffs against, they were playing the Marlies too. And I think they had 20 guys that played in the NHL. It was, it was an NHL team. Like most of the guys that ended up playing on the Leafs were on that Marlies team. And uh, yeah, I was, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was not prepared for that at all, but um, it was good. I, I really just to get the experience and see what it, it was the first time. And I remember telling my dad and after the game, like I knew I could play at that level. I, I knew I belonged there. I just probably could have used a couple weeks on the ice before getting there, but um yeah, it was it was the start, I guess, and but uh, unexpected. But yeah, I was I was fortunate. It was fun to see, be when you're at that level to get that close to the NHL, and now you're on the ice playing against guys that are gonna eventually play in the NHL or have been, and they're back down. It was uh, it's an exciting, exciting uh, experience when you when you're first getting into it. So that summer, you you go to development camp with the Panthers, and you earn yourself an NHL contract doing that. So, what was the party like after that NHL contract came through? Well, it was I actually so I went to development camp, and this I ended up getting a American League deal out of that development camp. And when you're, I guess it's a good thing to be naive and. You think that's like, yeah, I'm going to be in the American League and you have no idea that like they can send you down, you can sign an NHL deal, like you have no idea how any of it works. And But it was the best possible situation. For, I, I really got, I don't want to say lucky, but I, I took advantage of the opportunity of, of going there and playing really well at the development camp and um, getting in with the right coaches uh, in, in the American league there. And, um, they were the best for me. They were the best thing at the, at the right time. Um, that coaching staff and that management that was there and they gave me an opportunity and it was just, I remember they signed me the day I left, um, the development camp and it was, Oh, now you're a minor league pro hockey player. Um, so it was exciting. It was just, uh, and that's where kind of the motivation and starts and you've, you think you've made it, but you've really no idea what you're, you're in store for. And, um, but I, yeah, I got really fortunate with the coaching staff there and how they kind of protected me and, and, you know, taught me how things were going to be and what they needed for me to, to stay and, it's a, a good thing to be a bit naive and in, in where you're going to end up and, and what's going to happen. It doesn't really, uh, 
you don't think too much about any bad things happening. Everything's just looking green and, and good after that. Uh, your first NHL camp, was there a welcome to NHL moment for you? Yarmir Yager yeah. was there, yeah. He was when that was, and I had skated. You, you skate with guys in the summertime that are at that level, but when you're, now you're getting on the ice and you're competing for a job, and he was, he walked in and he had his, his weights on the skates and weights on stays. Everything was weighted on him. He's wearing weight vests everywhere, but just to kind of see him, you're a bit, starstruck and i just wanted to make a point to try and take the puck from as many times as i could in the scrimmage <laughs> try and stand out somehow but um yeah that was, work <laughs> i a couple of times I, I don't think he was trying too much <laughs> he wasn't trying too hard did you go to like i love joe with martin straka like i i love that line yeah seriously <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, five Rangers. Great team. And a lockout that, that was like the saving grace for the Ranger team. They had Lundquist yeah. to come out and the Yager. That was my, that could be up there. Obviously the 93, 94 team stands up that any Ranger fan, but that, that might be my favorite team though. I always tell the guys that are on that team. Like you guys like brought hockey back. It's like, they suck forever. The Rangers are terrible forever. The lockout happens. We get Hank and boom, Yager scores 54 goals. And it's like game on again. Yeah. Serious. That's uh, revived everything. The, Brought the Liberty jersey back with Yaga. They got everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Springfield, I was looking at the Springfield teams. Those teams were loaded with NHL talent, too. You had Mackenzie Weger, who was down there with you. And obviously, he's turned into a stud defenseman, getting paid quite a pretty penny up there in Calgary. Yeah. Um, Dryan Hunt just, you know, finished up his tenure with the Rangers. I think he bounced around a couple teams this year. Uh, Jared McCain, who I love him out in Seattle. He's turned into a really good player. Uh, who else? Josh Brown was on the team. Chris Drager, Chris Drager was on the team. I mean, ton of NHL guys down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg, yeah, Greg McKegg was on that team. Yep, there's a ton of NHL guys down there. Yeah, it was. It's. It just kind of goes back to being, a little bit naive about who's around you. You don't want to be too starstruck or too like you don't belong and it to me it was always just going in and and feeling like you belonged and there was some college guys that I played against in college on the team and um and maybe it was just kind of blind confidence and whatnot but yeah it was they were really good teams with I played with uh, McCann for that first season no yeah first season I played with him basically the second half of the year um and he's now he's a 40 goal scorer in the NHL and um, McKegg was there for a little bit. And yeah, a lot of really good players. And I don't, it's kind of crazy. to think we never even made the playoffs when we were there. Like I uh, never made the playoffs in Springfield and the league was a lot different. Like the American league was a lot older and there was a lot more guys that were older in age. You had a lot more veterans on a team and I think it's getting a lot younger now, but um and we had a we had a really really good coach that uh, kind of kept everybody in line and and didn't really take too much shit from from anybody. <laughs> uh, so you make your NHL debut with the Panthers, uh, December thirteenth, two thousand eighteen, uh, against Minnesota. I got to ask you, you see number seventy six in the stall. Did would you have any say in that number, or that was just kind of sitting there? No, absolutely no say in that number. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, you don't ask too many questions. And <laughs> that was my training camp number. It was like, that's great. No problem. And um, yeah, no saying that, but. Uh, what were the emotions like that? They had the call up go. It was terrifying to be honest with you. Like it was, 
I had I had been playing really well in Springfield and um and you're just you're always just kind of waiting for it to happen and knocking on the door, knocking on the door, just kind of but you nobody really prepares you for what to what's gonna happen and what to expect. It's not really it's grown men like it and they have games to win up there. You have games to win down in the American league and they're not going to baby you. They're not going to hold your hand and tell you it's, you know, especially a guy in my situation. I'm not a, I'm wasn't a draft pick. I was an undrafted um, free agent American league signing a year before. And so to kind of get an NHL deal, the second halfway through the second year and, um, yeah, I was playing really well and um yeah, they it was terrifying. Like I you get called up and they hadn't won in Minnesota in like six years or seven years, and you're just trying to you're trying to do the best you can. And it's it's a lot of just adrenaline and a lot of stress and you're traveling and nobody tells you really anything. It's just, you know, now you're on the team and you go to the team meetings and you're in the locker room and um, good luck, play well. And like, and if you don't, then you're out of here. And, um, but yeah, there was, we started losing that game and I was on the ice for a couple goals against. And I was like, I'm, you don't have to play me anymore. I, I, I do not need to be out here anymore. Like it was, uh, you think everything that happens in the game, you kind of, and I, I think goes back to having that mentality of like, maybe you get like a little bit imposter syndrome when you're there. You kind of think like, do I really belong? Like I'm, they started me on the second line with McCann and Evgeny Dadnov and um, Dryden Hunt and my good buddy, that I play with in Springfield, Yuho Lamico was on in the lineup that night too. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll play with them. At least it's some guys that I'm comfortable with. Like uh, I played with them in Springfield, and yeah, we came in. I was on the second line. I was like, oh shit! Like now it's just about like don't make any mistakes, and it's hard to to kind of get out of that mental trying to just go out and play and and do what they brought you there for, but. um yeah, it was it was definitely a lot to a lot to take in and a lot to handle. I remember sitting on the blue line for the opening um national anthem and it, it was the biggest most people I've ever seen in the building and the loud I was like, holy sh like this is actually happening now. Like we're we went from not even knowing if I was gonna get signed a year ago or two years ago to now we're in Minnesota on a Thursday night and I was, we started against like Jason Zucker and Miko Koivu's line. I was like, oh, Jesus. He gave you the start too, huh? That's pretty good. Gave me the start. And yeah, it was, I think they wanted to, I think part, part of it was like, they wanted to flood me with as much like emotion as possible to see how I would react and <laughs> see what would happen. But yeah, it was, I remember like your the lactic acid builds up in your legs really quick when, when that starts to happen. <laughs> I mean, maybe you put you with Huberdo, you know, instead. Maybe you would have a better game, but I don't know. Oh my god. I I remember like I didn't have too bad of a game either. I think I ended with like four or five shots on goal. I almost scored the first shift. 
And then they just started scoring. And it that's even a bad thing when you're like comfortable on a team, when teams just start rolling, rolling it over. And it seems like everything they do, it's going in. And, but yeah, when you're the new guy and it's your first game, you start to think, even when you're sitting on the bench, you think when they score, it's your fault. Like you didn't change quick enough for some, everything's your fault. <laughs> um, while you were at Springfield, AHL All-Star game, you set the uh, speed record, the fastest skater. And it was really blown up because McDavid had a big one right before that. And you beat his number. How cool was that? It was, it was awesome at the time. And it was just the, when I knew I was going to do it, I was, I was like, I might as well try and try and break the American league record. And I knew he had just gone the day before, I think. And, um, but it, it turned out to be one of like the worst things to happen. Cause I got so much hate on social media for it and just everybody telling me I sucked and everybody telling me like all the Canadian fans just being like, Oh, if I was any good, I'd be in the NHL. And I was like, yeah, it's a cool thing. And, but yeah, uh, I got a lot of hate for that. Hey, a lot of people did not like that. I, that I had beaten them. Well, it didn't help that there was a, I actually just saw the YouTube again. I remember when you did it, cause I remember it was a big deal and you being a New York guy, I remember just noticing it and, there's like a video, like a time lapse that shows you and McDavid at the same time, like going yeah. around and then you edging him at the end probably didn't help with Euler fans when they saw that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, I remember they put it on uh sports net or something up in Canada and just like the comments were just like this. If this guy could stick handle, if this guy could do this, if this guy could do that, he'd be, yeah, it was a oh, lot. Great. He could skate an oval. Great. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those. Well, what's the nerves like going into that? Because you have a stadium looking at you, and you're just gonna go skate a lap as fast as you can. I mean, you like just don't. He's got to be like, don't fall. It's probably going through your head the whole time, right? The whole time. That's the only thing is they at least put the pads up for the NHL guys. So like, if you take a digger, you'll hit a pad. There, it's just boards, and I'm like, if anybody goes down, like you can speed wobble because you're just focused on. It's actually a lot harder than you would think to just skate a lap because you hit the turn and even my skate slid out a little bit at the end on the last term, but you're terrified of just going head first in the boards. Like you just don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. So maybe you slow up a little bit and, but I was just, I just wanted to get through it fast, but not fall. I was yeah. just like, don't lose an edge. Do not fall. And I had them sharpen my skates like three times before we went out. I was like, Skating but, razor blades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's more terrifying, going out there for a shootout by yourself and having everyone stare at you or or doing that? Shootout, for sure. Yeah. Shootout, because a shootout could go a million different ways wrong. It's You can fan on the puck, you can miss the puck, and you can I, – I actually envy the guys that are really, like, ice cold at it and just – can just go down and, and make a move. I'm usually just shoot, just get in there, try and get an angle and, and shoot the puck and don't be stick handling and, and mishandle the puck or fan on it or something like that. But some guys just, they don't have that, uh, that negative emotion, I guess. But yeah. Some guys that hate it, like Yager, talking about Yager, like he wouldn't do the shootout. He would, he hated the shootout because he didn't want to be embarrassed. Some guys it, it's, it's one of those things where you go out and, Especially if you're if you miss the game's over and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm just worried about not losing the puck. Like I, I just don't I just want to get a shot off and 
guys are going in and, and saving games with, with scoring, but some guys are really good at it. I always, uh, yeah, I, I did. I'd rather just have a breakaway because it's less thinking like you're just trying to get away from the guys chasing you and, and get a good scoring chance. And you don't thinking too much there. It's too slow and you're thinking way too much. And it's just like this could go so poorly. Who's oh Fox? Yeah, Adam Fox of this year. He, he hates taking him, and that's why like he he's always like the fifth or sixth guy because like kind of like all right now we, we need you like yeah. we've gone we've yeah. gone through the other like now it's your turn now you, you got to go. You know? And he would be good at because he's got so much poise and patience and like he could outweigh anybody. And yeah, some guys are just not. I'm one of them. I'm just not comfortable with it. That's why, and I've had the goalies on, and they love him because like there's no pressure on us. Like we just have to stop a puck. If not, it's a point anyway. Like it's not. Yeah. I had a guy on. He's like, it's a win loss. Like it, it's a tie. Like, it doesn't go to my win loss. It's a tie or whatever. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm just out there to stop the puck. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so after your tenure there with Florida, you signed a two year deal with the Rangers. How special was that to to sign with your hometown team? Yeah, it was. It was awesome. It, it was just with the timing of it with COVID sucked, but. Um, yeah, I had known going in, like playing against Hartford and, um, as many times as we did with Springfield, I knew that if I ended up in Hartford, it wouldn't be a, a bad place at all to be. And, um, but yeah, just to, to be with that organization and, um, having grown up being the big fan that I was of them and, even just getting to go to training camp and, and wear Rangers stuff. And I still have all my equipment from, from the Rangers. So um, yeah, it was, it was a special thing. And um, unfortunately with COVID, it, it kind of made it uh, a little not so great, I guess, in the first year, but, um, but yeah, the second year obviously was, uh, was awesome having to get in to go through all that. So you're, you're in camp, like you said, COVID was weird, but was there like a moment for you, like sitting in that locker room, like looking around, like, holy crap, like this is, this is something else. Like you look at like Chris Cryer, like sitting across from like, yeah, I watched him growing up. Like, <laughs> like yeah. one of those moments. Yeah, for sure. It was just seeing Panarin and, and those guys and Kreider and Zabinajad and those guys. And um, just the, the, it's a different kind of feeling with, the Ranger logo and, and just seeing everything ranges around you. And I think I appreciated it more probably than, you know, guys from Canada or guys that grew up, you know, in other places, just with how many guys that I watched growing up have been, I, I used to, I went to the practice rink when I was young, actually. Um, there was like a fan day or something um, when Ryan Hallwig was on the team. Well, there we go. That's the name. Yeah, Ryan Holwick. And uh and Dominic Moore, I think, was I don't I don't remember what year it was, but it was the same practice rink. And I remembered being in there watching practice and to kind of be in there now and and getting to put the the gear on. And it's it was definitely a, a different feeling just seeing all the guys and being on the ice and seeing the logo everywhere it was pretty surreal for me. So your second year with the team, uh, you make your Ranger debut out in San Jose, and you get there. And I know you preseason you can see your jersey, but you see like your stall there, and you see number twenty eight Rangers jersey in the stall. Uh, like, what kind of moment was that for you? 
Yeah, it was I the the COVID year didn't go great. It was just we were playing in Hartford. I thought I had a really good camp in New York and um it was when they had the taxi squad and stuff. So it was gonna be you'd have to go through a lot of guys to get called up and everything was so it was everything was iffy with you know going to training camp and getting sent down we didn't we started in february and um there was going to be no fans or whatever in the american league we were playing against two teams we were playing bridgeport and providence so going into camp uh the following year i just wanted to have a good year i didn't i didn't care where if i was going to be up with new york or down in hartford like my only goal was to be the best player in hartford and and um have a really good year and whatever happens after that happened. And um, fortunately enough, I think like eight guys got COVID and we played in Rochester on the Saturday night, I think. And they came up to me and uh, Lori Payuniemi saying we were going to, we actually got to take a private jet, which was kind of nice um, to with Panarin who was coming back from illness uh, and we took that to straight to California. And so that was no clothes, no nothing, just hockey equipment and what we wore to Rochester. And, um, but yeah, to, to be there and just get on the ice for practice and um, yeah, it was, and then they, we had morning skate in San Jose. I think they played the night two nights before and, LA and then we were going to San Jose or they played Anaheim and then LA and then San Jose. And, uh, yeah, just during morning skate, they, it was starting to like, everybody's kind of looking around because all the coaches are getting together talking and, um, and I was, I knew I was the next guy that was going to be like, they run out of options. Like I was the next guy. You were the 13th was, forward yeah, sitting there. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I think I might actually be getting in this game. And same thing kind of as Florida. Like they don't really, they just come up to you and like, yeah, you're playing tonight. And it's like, okay, now I'm, I just went from sitting and watching two games and, you know, happy to be part of the, you know, on the road with the team. It's the amenities are a little bit nicer in the NHL and the travel is a little bit nicer, but um yeah and they just come up to you and you're like get ready to play tonight and um I was like okay I guess we're doing this it's um, unfortunately my you can't tell any family that it's like you're gonna travel out to California like the day of so you're it's afternoon uh it was 12 o'clock San Jose time it's about three o'clock and you'd have to get in a fighter jet to make it to California by the game time and um so yeah just that was that was it and you, then you show up and treat it like normal i was in a really fortunate situation again with uh my american league coach chris Knobloch was the head coach at the time cuz gerard was sick and uh my assistant coach from hartford the year before was um gord who was mm-hmm. the d coach and um and i was playing with Greg McKegg and Kevin Rooney, two guys that I played with or against in the American League. So it was, there was a comfort level there with those guys. And I was definitely more prepared for this one. You know, it's it's nice when you can kind of get with the team and practice a little bit and 
um, know the guys a little bit more from being there for two years. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, I think warmups was when it's, it's always, a, it's such a different feeling and you're going out in that Jersey and it's completely, yeah, it was surreal. And, but the nerves uh, that were there the first time in, in Florida wasn't, they, they weren't the same. It was kind of more relaxed and, I was, I guess, mature a little bit from, from that experience. <laughs> you have five shots in the game too. So you're letting it rip. You're letting it go. Yeah. It was, it turned out I, my only goal going into the game was do not get a minus was just like play the way you've been playing in Hartford, take the same kind of mentality and don't worry about making mistakes. Don't worry about, you know, having to do things a certain way, like just play the same way. And, um, and do not be on the ice for a goal against. And I think there was a, sh I had a chance to block a shot in the first period. And I think I, I would have taken it in the teeth for it to not go. And I was like, I'm, I'm not a huge shot blocker, but I'm like, this is not going <laughs> past me. <laughs> you turned to Dan Girardi circa 2015, uh, 2005. Yeah. That was the, my only goal was, and it, I blocked it. It didn't hurt. And I was like, I should probably start blocking a couple more shots where in Hartford because uh, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, that was. And then after that, it was just playing normal. And um, yeah, I had a couple of good scoring chances. Probably could have had a couple of points, but it was. And we won the game. I was like, breath of fresh air. It was kind of uh, came full circle and kind of made me feel like I could play at that level. And, and uh, it took a long time to get back to that spot. Um, so, but I was, I was really uh, satisfied and everything with the FDMY and just, mm -hmm. uh, I know those guys are watching and back in New York and just, uh, yeah, it all came full circle, which was, it was a good night for sure. Now, the thing I got to ask you about, I wanted to ask you before, that game, you were the in-between period uh, interview, right? So I think it was in-between. It wasn't after the game. It was in-between, right? First, after the first. Yeah, yeah, first period, yeah. So you get on there, and they're asking you all these like, emotional questions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this guy who's in his first game with the Rangers probably has enough going on in his brain. Now they can ask him all these emotional That's like your dad and everything. I'm like, come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, there was You're a couple. like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, there was – I. For me, I was like, I don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm just worried about playing the game. And it was kind of, it was a nice kind of distraction almost. Cause it was, you're not, uh, you're just in the moment of playing the game and it kind of, it made it almost bigger than that stuff is going to be bigger than what's going on in the game. And it kind of in a weird way was a bit relaxing. It was just like, okay, like it's there's something bigger beyond all this, the hockey stuff. But yeah, I was, I didn't care. I was just like, whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm playing the game. I, the first period went really well. So like, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm not ready to snap a stick or anything. So it was, uh, it was fine. But yeah, a couple of people were like, that was weird. That was weird that they were asking all that shit. In between I, I, I remember watching, I remember the game. I'm like, man, that's, that's a weird because it was a storyline going into it, right? There's a whole storyline about you going into the game, and the pregame show had a whole thing about you. And then I remember I'm like, man, what the heck are they doing? And now look at I'm like, man, that was 
Remember how tough those questions were? I was. I mean, what the heck was he thinking afterwards? I'd go back to your soul. I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah, back uh, get a squirt of water and yeah, moving on. But yeah, that was that was a nice curveball. <laughs> and I remember like, uh, who was I forget who was doing the the show. I think I guess it was Gino and someone pointed out that you came into the game exactly at like three forty three of the first period or like whatever three into the yeah. game, and it's like, oh well, you know, they had now that connection. I'm like, we're just finding crazy stuff now. I mean, this is just going on and on. Yeah, yeah, they were they were really uh, pushing that narrative a little bit. <laughs> yeah. it was like, okay, but that was that that was actually pretty crazy that I ended up playing three minutes and forty three seconds, and I was like, okay, there was there's some divine intervention yeah. thing going on here, but. It was, uh, yeah, it was not, I don't know, maybe in a different circumstance, it would have been a little bit frazzled, but I was just, I was pumped about how the first period went. I was like, all right, we got through that one and uh, let's just kind of build on this. And um, so, yeah, I was, I probably would have answered any question <laughs> that they would ask me at that point. Uh, and it was very, it had to be very cool for you to see like the outreach afterwards. Like you said, the FDNY and everyone else from New York that, uh, there's a great piece, I think, um, from the post about you the next day after the game. So it had to be so cool to see that. And I saw some great quotes from your mom in there and everything. So that'd be so cool. Yeah, it was, like I said, it came all full circle. And um, for me, it was always just about the hockey. It was just proving to myself and proving to other people. It was the, the coach of San Jose was the coach that I had in Florida when that game happened. Mm-hmm. He was the coach of the Sharks that night. And um, so just to have a good game and, you know, people watching and, um, but more so, yeah, just to prove to myself, like you can play at this level it, with the right mindset and going into it, uh, I didn't really think too much. And maybe that's a good thing about just kind of springing it on somebody that at the morning skate, like hey, you're playing tonight, you don't have really too much time to sit there and, and think and, um, there's not a lot of buildup, but, um, yeah, it was to see the afterwards, everything you kind of get a get to kind of reflect on a little mm-hmm. bit and see how many people, uh, you know, were watching and, and had nice things to say. It was really cool. Now, anybody from the team kind of grab you before the game and kind of like see where you're at mentally or anything, or are they kind of just like, all right, let's go, let's do it. No. Yeah. It was kind of just status quo, which is which is a good thing. Like it's, mm-hmm. you just treat it like another game. And I don't think Kreider and, and Zabinajad were worried about, you know, everybody kind of focuses on themselves and how they're, you know, how they're going to play and what they got to get done. And um, which is good. It's, it's keeps things. It doesn't put any added pressure on anything. It doesn't make it the moment bigger than it has to be like it's just another hockey game in the regular season of the nhl that you know you play 82 of them it's uh let's not make this and i don't want that like i didn't want it to be a big thing it, it ended up being a, a bigger thing after the game was over and um but i don't think there would have been much talking about it if uh we had lost the game 5-1 but it's uh to get a win and um, have a good performance. It was, it just uh, completed. It was icing on the cake, I guess. And Kreider had an empty net goal to seal the game where you kind of like, hey, Nobs, put me out there. Like, let's let me get that empty netter. I was like, <laughs> that's great. 
game went perfect. I had a couple scoring chances, a block shot, which you've never seen in Hartford. This is good. Let me go hug I, Igor and get uh, out of here. Yeah, I don't need to go out there and then get a minus in the last minute for no reason. <laughs> uh, do you like playing for Knobloch? Yeah, it was it was it was good. My especially my second year, we we butted heads quite a bit my first year. And it was just a, a special circumstance. Like I said, it, we were playing in like empty rinks. We were playing either in Hartford, Bridgeport, or Providence. Providence wasn't even playing their arena. They were playing out of like a peewee rink in the New England Sports Center in Massachusetts. And it was uh, quite difficult to get motivated for those uh, for those games. And um, so, yeah, we had – but he was always supportive of me and wanted uh, – so he was doing his best to get the most out of me. And I think after the first game of the season in Hartford, my second year, we had a pretty, you know, good meeting about, you know, what I need to do. And um, I think it kind of reignited fire for me as far as, you know, how I wanted the year to go. And um, and then we I just kind of took off from there after that first game and um it's what made the the new york game possible and um just ended the year on a good note but uh yeah it was he he just wanted to get the best out of me and was doing the way he knew how and um but he always checked in throughout the season um that year and and just made sure that we were we were on the same page about everything and uh yeah it, it worked out in the end yeah, you had a great year, 59 points. You had the leading score by 20 points. And you were, towards the end of the year, I'm like, why are we not calling this guy up again? Like, what? I was like, I was trying to be your agent on Twitter. I'm like, why are we not calling him up? I'm like, every time I watch a Hartford game, this guy scores a goal or has like two assists. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, I appreciate it. But yeah, it's it was bitter. That's that's the, the other side of the curtain that, you know, maybe fans or people that aren't, too close to the team, you know, realize like even I thought I was going to be in the next game in with New York. I thought when we went to Philly, I would be playing in that game. I thought I had a good enough game and, you know, guys are coming back from the COVID or injured or whatever. And that's it. Like that's, that's the business and it's very bittersweet and cutthroat and very, um, that's just how it goes. And it's, it's, uh, so there, there is, I don't want to say bitterness, but there is, you've shown, you, you just want an opportunity as a player and you just want to be able to show that you can do it. And not even only for, you know, playing for the Rangers, but, you know, there's other teams in the league that, you know, that you can show what you can do. And, um, it gets to be frustrating and that's the side of things that, like I said, not a lot of people see is you want that opportunity over 10, 15, 20 games to show that you can do that and, um, and be consistent. And when you kind of exhaust all options in, in the American league doing that, and then, you know, get that opportunity to go up and play well, you know, it could easily just be like, all right, thanks for coming. Like, uh, appreciate you. And that's it. That's all you get. And, um, that can be really, uh, agonizing and, and frustrating at times. It's, it's not only 
from, you know, wanting to play in the NHL and wanting, you know, that being your goal, it's, it's a, it's a money thing too. There's a lot of money to be made in, in playing the NHL. It's, it's a business and um, yes, you, you lose out on quite a bit of money too. So, um, but yeah, it's that, uh, that can definitely be a, a roller coaster of, of emotions when you're, you know, you have that super high of playing that game and playing well, then it's just like back to Hartford and, you know, back to, you know, keep it moving. And it's just like, that's it. Did you at least, did you fly back with the team on the team playing at least? What happened there? They didn't make a fight commercial after the Dolan PJ going out there, did they? No, I don't think, I don't think we did. I think I flew back with it. Yeah. I flew back with the All team. Right. And that would have been heart wrenching. Like, here's a yeah. ticket to LAX. Get in the cab. We'll see you later. Yeah. After. <laughs> yeah. Now, what kind of Dolan PJ? Are we like talking like snacks? Like, what, what's the uh, what's the offerings on this thing? That was that thing was. I'm. I even told uh, my mom after. I was like, I I can't. I don't know if I could ever fly commercial ever again. That's you get on that thing, and there's couches and big lounge chairs and tables, and they bring you breakfast and coffee and whatever you want. You you pretty much have access to and. We had almost no sleep uh, going because we stayed in Rochester that night. And then we drove, they like Ubered us to the airport from Rochester to, I don't know where it was, upstate New York or Greenpoint maybe, or no, Terrytown maybe, wherever that was. And then you get in the plane, you're like, I'm, you go right to sleep on the plane and then you wake up to breakfast and it's like, this is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like i can't then you go back to 2060 and commercial and you're like this is not for me go can't back to this. go back to the bus between hartford and springfield yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so uh you're in a plane for five hours with panarin were you like asking any tips or anything or like you know maybe some like hair tips or something no he's not much of a talker no. <laughs> no i remember the he played that i don't speak english i'm a russian card on he you does, no? yeah he's he it was funny because we went to uh i woke up middle of the flight and he was playing chess with his one of the security guys and i remember we got to the hotel i think it was in philly actually when uh after the san jose game and it was just me and him down at breakfast. And I don't think we said, we just sat there at the same table. We didn't say two words to each other. <laughs> so he's he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. He's always laughing and smiling. But yeah, he's a guy of a few words when it comes to- Not carrying uh, the conversation with you, huh? No, <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> you are like, oh, I'm a Kovalov fan. Like, you should have, yeah, you know, yeah, like, beret, beret. You know? I should have. I was trying to get some stuff going with- uh, some Russian guys I skated with in New York. I was like, do you know who this is? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll go back up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you made the jump overseas or for Lunda this last season. We talked about it quickly, but um, what kind of led to that decision to make the the jump overseas? I think a lot of it um, has to do with where you're at in career wise and, I just, you know, I've two NHL games now. It's you've kind of exhausted everything you can do in the American League and maybe partially just seeing what's different and what, you know, what you can do uh in a different league and um 
the American League gets to be a grind, especially in, in certain cities. You're you're on the bus a lot. It's it's the league is getting younger, like I said, and they it's it's a very in between league. You have some guys that in my situation where you've you've been at it for a couple of years and that NHL window is probably dwindling down. If not, it's closed completely. And um and you're dealing with a lot of situations where teams want to get younger guys in and get them experience and get them in certain situations and uh get them, you know, kind of maxed out to get them ready to play in the NHL if, if they're capable of it. And for me, it was not one to get stuck in that kind of situation. Um, but at the same time, kind of maybe going over to Sweden and doing well and seeing if you can come back uh, with an opportunity or um, yeah, just, just getting a different experience. And uh, there's, a, a, I think a little bit more money to be made in Europe for a guy in my situation in certain circumstances. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely, on my radar for a couple of years as far as going over there and, and seeing what it was all about. And, um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm kind of set on coming back to North America if it's possible now, having done it and having lived through it, it's, uh, they max you out in a much different way over in, in some of those places in Europe. Um, but I, it was a great group of guys. It was great coaching. It's, Living in Europe can be tough. It's uh, I'm a, a homebody. I'm from the East Coast. There's not a lot of New York people that leave New York. <laughs> you kind of uh, so yeah. You're you're used to the conveniences of life. You can walk down the street and go to the deli and get a sandwich, and that's not a thing over in Europe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I definitely was pretty homesick, and I've been a lot of places, but this was the most homesick I had been and um but yeah it was hockey was unbelievable it was way way better than I was expecting it to be this there's a reason that there's so many unbelievable guys that come over from Sweden they they do things a lot differently with younger kids and and developing them and we had 17 18 year olds on our team that I think are going to play in the NHL someday and um and you're playing against more, I think, men as far as uh, there's not so many young kids in the league. It's more of a, a man's league. It's, you know, 25 to 35-year-old guys. And um, there's a lot of guys over there that never made the jump to North America that I was always – there's guys on my team, and I'm like, you've never tried to go to North America and play. They just – they're comfortable staying there, and they they like living at home, and – and making good money and, and playing in Sweden. And, but there's definitely a lot of guys that are capable that could have been capable of, of coming over and, and playing the NHL. Well, yeah. And Joel Lundquist, obviously your captain over there, the, you know, he came over and then he's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm staying over here for now on. Even though Hank has said my brother could have played in the NHL. He just wants to stay home. So. Yeah. And he's an absolute legend there. He's, I think he's bigger than Hank in Gothenburg, Sweden. He's uh He's the Hank. Hank is for New York what Joel is for, for Gothenburg. So it always just freaks me out because they look so much alike. Like seeing him score goals and play, it's like it's so weird. Like seeing like highlights of him. Like they used to show him during the Ranger game. It's like, okay, 
I'm seeing Hank score goals right now, which is the weirdest yeah. thing. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, there's billboards of them in uh, downtown all over the place. I mean, they're either doing something for shampoos or, you know, uh, modeling suits and you can't tell who's who you can't it's like it could be hank it could be joel and nobody knows <laughs> uh so what's the deal where are we going next year trying to figure that out i i would like to stay over here and and see what opportunities are about over here it's it's tough because it's different timeline with europe is you know they want to get guys signed in in April, May, June, even some guys in January, March. Um, and then here it's, they, they don't really start doing anything until after the draft and, you know, free agency and stuff like that to kind of piece out their teams, but I need to get healthy and they, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work and they, they max you out as far as they're going to squeeze every bit of juice they can out of you over there. And, um, so right now it's just rest and, and relax and enjoy the sun in, in Florida and play some golf and just kind of try and get back to neutral before, uh, hopefully, you know, won't be going anywhere until mid September for, for camp. So it's a lot of time to relax and, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So you have to, do you have to wait till July one now is, or is that, can you sign earlier? Cause you weren't in the North America. What's the deal with that? I can sign earlier. Um, you can sign, okay. Yeah, I could sign at any point. Um, but yeah, that's it's tough unless you're a guy, a younger kid coming over that they're really interested in 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 getting in as a prospect or playing right in the NHL. They'll sign those guys, but I think for a guy in my situation, they want to kind of piece together what their team's going to look like and how many NHL contracts they want to give out and, you know, what that looks like before they start signing 30-year-old <laughs> 30 year old guys come back from Europe. So is your agent you got to go like basically like, Hey, listen, he's back. Like, does he like send like a, like a thing out to everybody? Like, Hey, he's back, you know, pretty take much. A look yeah. at, right. Like he, you know, he wants to play North America. Like take a look at him. Pretty maybe, much. That's, and is yeah. the hope maybe like a PTO deal for a camp somewhere, like for an NHL camp. Is that kind of what the thought is or I try think, to sign American league deal to get the invite? I think it's, if you can get an NHL two way, obviously you get an NHL two way. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you get a, an AHL deal, AHL one way, I, I've played, I think, enough in the American League where, you know, teams know who I am and know what I can bring. And, um, but yeah, I, I think for me mentally, just being over here in, in the US and being able to go to a CVS if I need to grab something or not having to, you know, it's, it it's tough. It, the novelty and the the romance side of people kind of romanticize living in Europe and it's, you know, you just living in Europe, it's kind of laid back and it's like, I can't even go to the order of water without it, like having to translate stuff and it being a pro a, a process. So um, I think just getting back for, for me and my girlfriend who lives with me and um, just being back close to family and friends and, um, yeah. And, and whatever opportunity presents itself, I think, uh, like I said, if it's an NHL two way, that's great. If, uh, if it's an AHL deal that, uh, team wants me to come in as, as a veteran guy that, you know, has been, has done it and, and been through it before and, and needs help with, with some younger guys coming in and that, uh, that's great too. I think 
it's more about longevity for me at this point and staying healthy and not uh, beating the crap out of my body and, and just trying to squeeze uh, as many years as I can out of it. And, um, and you just never know, you never know what other, you know, crazier things have happened with, you know, older guys getting into games and in the league. And um, it's not like I've never been there before. It's not much experience, but um, yeah, we're, we're just excited to, to be back and hopefully get an opportunity somewhere. And, um, but yeah, it's, they kind of just send out a blast. Like he's, he wants to come back to North America. And if anybody's interested, uh, let, uh, let him know. <laughs> Inquire with him. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, I'll, I'll text Ryan Martin. I'm sure he'll respond <laughs> to my text. Be like, hey, listen, my guy wants to come back. What's Hartford doing right now? Your boy, Pai, uh, Pai left. He went, he's going over. He Actually, I think he's going to Sweden. Yeah. He's going to fight yeah. your spot. Uh, he's going to Sweden. So we, they need some veteran leadership. They need some goal scorers up front. So I'll, I'll make a text. I'll, I'll send a few texts out. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, Fritz is still signed for next year. Tell him. No, yeah, he's, he's, he's done. He's gone. I think he's done. Is he gone? I thought he'd be signed yeah. for next year. No, no, he's gone. Uh, I think Johnny Brzezinski's gone. No, he's back. I know he's back because he, he signed an extension. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Okay. So, because I have him listed as a guy who could be a fourth line guy for the Rangers next year, too. So, I think I would, to I me, think, it's, it's, I think he's terrific. I think he's excellent. Like, he's can skate, he's a big body, can shoot the puck. Like, he plays hard. He I don't understand a- how he's on the NHL. Every time he goes down, he's, lights it up and then he comes back up for like a game and they send him back down. I'm like this guy talk about Point for game guy in the American league. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's that what we were talking about. It's that you, and he's shown that he can do it at the NHL level too, which is, and is still, you know, it's one of those things that you, you, you can't really try and figure it out and make rhyme or reason towards it. It's just some guys just don't get that, that chance to stick and stay. The mental anguish, man. It's got to be killing people. It has to kill people. It kills me as a fan when I see it. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? And yeah. then, like, you see someone gets called up. Like, why is he getting called up? And then, <laughs> and then, like, you're like, you know, like yourself, a guy like yourself. Like, you see numbers and you watch a guy. I'm like, why is he not? Well, then it's got to be tough because you come up there, you're playing a first line role or second line role, and you come up to the Rangers and you're playing a fourth line role, playing five, six minutes. What kind of impact you really make yeah. in that time? And, and like, you try to do too much, you make a mistake, you let up a goal, and then you never get to see the ice the rest of the game. And then, yeah, it's just, a very you know, tight leash. <laughs> it's a tight leash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, you know, you only get to see a certain amount of minutes as is. So I mean, yeah. it's tough. It's so tough for guys. Yep. It's part of the, uh, part of the business. And it is what it is. You, you try and, uh, as you get older, you start to not let it rattle you so much. And there's still times where you're like, you're ready to start smashing stuff. But, um, yeah, this is really, it's out of your control. So try and keep it in between the lines, I guess. All right. A couple rapid fire questions here for let you go. Okay. For sure. Favorite arena to play in. Oh God. I would say MSG, but I've never played. <laughs> there was no preseason game there. No, you didn't get a preseason thing. I didn't get a preseason. No. Game. I didn't get anything. Uh, favorite arena to play in. I'll say for all under arena actually. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, favorite away city you like? Uh, for the American League, it'd be 
it was Charlotte. Okay. And for my little time in the NHL, it'd probably be uh, LA. LA. Okay. Uh, were you are you a prankster at all? Not really. No. No. I just I'm just like give guys a lot of shit. I just talk a lot of amongst. I'm not pranking anybody because I don't want to be pranked because I'll probably snap. But I'm what's just... the best? What's the best prank or worst prank I should say you've seen? We had a my good buddy in Springfield, Paul Thompson. He played a, a good amount of games up. He was always doing something to guys, but just small stuff, usually to the same guy over and over. And it just it basically would just like grind somebody down to the point that they couldn't take it anymore. Just like a name sticker on the helmet and just constantly uh they were just constantly getting water pour, water poured on them, whether it was in their helmet or you know the clothes in the freezer like sticking guys clothes in in ice water and then freezing it in the refrigerator and tying shoes to the ceiling of a rink and just every like he would mentally break somebody by just constantly getting somebody over and over and over again (laughs) uh in hartford you guys had quite the long island representation or you know new york representation there uh between you potato kincaid who was allowed us one locker room Tony Potato, he, no, easily. <laughs> we were usually competing, but yeah, he's he's got like a Sopranos accent where he just does <laughs> it and he doesn't shut up. So yeah, Tony Potato. <laughs> and then you guys said, uh, what's his name? Came later on in the year too, right? Um, what's his? Oh, they signed him from UMass. So I can't think of his name. Oh, Trevino. Uh, Trevino, yeah. So yeah. between the yeah, you know, he was loud at the beginning. I I heard <laughs> he was loud when he came in. And wouldn't shut up. And then now I heard he's backed it down a little bit this year. So I was, yeah, he, uh, he came in really strong Long Island attitude. And then he, he backed it down real quick. Way too many Italians on one team. I'll tell you that. Way too many. Yeah. Way too many. It's, it's gotta be a quota for a team. Yeah. It's gotta be <laughs> yeah. a quota for that team. Jeez. Yeah. No wonder you guys are clashing with the uh, knob lock. Probably can't even hear himself talking <laughs> in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. You're obviously you have many more years to go in your career. I hope you play for the 10 more years if you want to. What's your favorite moment though when you look back so far in your career? That Rangers game, probably. Yeah. I think for sure that or um the fastest skater was cool, but it's it's a skills competition. Um so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, definitely the just the whole Rangers game experience with you know how the game went and um finally getting back there and um yeah that was definitely that was a pretty high in the in my career well i thanks so much for joining us best of luck this off season hopefully we hear news from you text me when you make your decision we'll put it out there for everybody we'll break the news for sure you know, before uh elliot freeman and uh, tsn get to it we'll break it for you don't worry about it <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm sure that'll be front page up there in Canada for you. But yeah, yeah. Uh, let us know where you go. We'll definitely be following you. And, and thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks so much for having me. Good talking to you. Thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, it was great talking with him. And uh, I want to wish him the best of luck this year as he comes back to North America after a year over there in Sweden. And, uh, yeah, we'll be looking out for him. Maybe, who knows, he might end up back in Hartford again. 
I would love to see him there. Who doesn't need a 30-goal scorer in the AHL level uh, on their team, especially Hartford, where it had a great run this year. Guy has experience playing for Knobloch. All rumors say Knobloch's come back to Hartford for another run. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he ends up back there with another shot at the Rangers uh, and, and another shot at training camp with them as well to make an impact. So uh, I want to wish him all the best, and we'll definitely be keeping all of our listeners uh, in the loop of where he ends up, and uh, we'll be putting that out there and following him along as he comes back here. So uh, thank you so much, Anthony, again, for joining us. It was awesome sitting down with him, hearing his stories. Uh, it was great. So I, I want to wish him all the best and thank him so much for coming on. And that does it for episode 137 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Please make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review because every five-star review we do receive a dollar is donated to Alex's Limited Foundation. So please take a moment out of your day. Literally takes 10 seconds. Subscribe to the show. Leave a five-star review and help an amazing cause fight pH cancer. Make sure you go and subscribe to the show on Spotify as well. Leave us a five-star review there. Uh, you can follow the show on Google Play, uh, Pandora, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your, your podcast or your music in general, you can find us there. Subscribe to the show uh, and also leave us reviews on uh, those stations as well. You can find the show on social media and Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. You can find my personal Twitter account at KHOLNY for all New York Ranger updates as we go and articles on bellyupsports.com for the Rangers offseason and just really in general pieces there. But yeah, a couple pieces came out. Some trade stuff, some off-season stuff. We'll have some draft stuff coming up. So make sure you go check out all my stuff there at bellyupsports.com. And make sure you go and follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at the Broadway Hat Podcast. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 